0: Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. We are offering three conversations from this week's second preview of the upcoming Digital International Liver Congress 2021. This conversation covers a tremendous amount of intellectual territory in just 11 minutes. Stephen Harrison starts by discussing some of the non-invasive testing research likely to be presented next week, including results from the Litmus Consortium. From there, the group moves through a discussion of late breakers they find promising, and at the end, the papers and presentations they anticipate with the greatest interest. This agenda has stimulated tremendous excitement among our extended Surfing Nash family, so sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups.
1: Next week, close to 10,000 stakeholders from across the global hepatology community will convene virtually for the Digital International Liver Congress 2021, a four-day meeting with well over 100 sessions on a broad range of liver-related topics. Today, join hepatology researcher and key opinion leader Dr. Stephen Harrison, liver wellness advocate Louise Campbell pricing and forecasting guru Roger Green, and this week's guest, hepatology researcher and key opinion leader, Professor Yarn Schottenberg, as they discuss the sessions and papers that interest them most today on the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast.
2: I'll give Luis some props here, and, and just to talk a little bit about a session that is right up her alley, and, and one that is going to be very helpful to the field, and that is this one on the 26th of June, shared by Laurent Castera and Michael Pavlidis, and looking at some of these non-invasive tests. You know, Michael, it's great to see Michael get to get to be a chair of one of these sessions. I remember interrogating him at his e-fill and he's come such a long way in, in a short period of time, but we're going to hear the development and validation of Agile 3, which is this novel FibroScan-based score, which it's a step forward. This Agile 3 is a non-invasive test that combines liver stiffness measurement, AST, ALT ratio, platelets, gender, age, and the presence of diabetes. And it's really targeting this more advanced population of patients, F3 or greater. But I think it, it takes us a step forward, if you will, you know, one step further in our understanding of how to manage these people from a non-invasive perspective, how to diagnose them. And in that session, there's a whole lot of other key papers that are being presented, in fact, two from the Litmus Consortium that Yorn that and I both are a part of. So it'd be a very interesting session to check in. Thanks, you,
0: Stephen. Jorn, anything else you want to comment on?
1: No, I agree. The last day on ILC are normally all the highlights, and this is where it falls in with the non-invasive tests, right together with the late breakers, I guess, which we haven't discussed yet, and Stephen has gone, I believe on oh, no. our mentioned that. That was the cirrhosis study, the of But again, I think that's a great highlight and ending of that exceptional program we're going to see this year.
0: Yor, is there anything else on the late breakers you want to comment on? Because I have one comment I want to make on the first general session.
1: You know, one I was going to direct your attention to, and I send you that in an email, is a mechanistic study that was actually published in Nature by a German group, and Michael Dudek is the first first author. And they and they took an, a mechanistic approach to explore the liver immunophenotype in NASH. And we've seen one or two great studies coming out there. One in context of Nash HCC. And this one now here, looking at CD8 uh, cytotoxic T cells and looking what's going on in that inflamed liver. And it's a deep basic science approach to look at that. What it tells us as a clinician is that really we're getting to better understand the inflammatory phenotype that drives that disease and some autoaggression that's going on in the liver. And really looking forward to that talk to better understand uh, the, the true uh, pathophysiology of this.
0: Let me highlight one more and then close in questions. I thought the last two papers of the the first general session, neither of which is particularly scientific. Both, I think, are really important. First, a paper from the U.S. GS-1072 on food insecurity is associated with all-cause mortality in U.S. adults with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and advanced fibrosis. I don't think that's necessarily a surprising thing in some ways, but it's one of those things that to see proven and demonstrated in this context, I think, will be helpful. Aligns, I think, neatly with a lot of the work that Donna does. And Louise, a lot of the work that you do, right? That people who are food insecure don't eat foods that help them. Stephen, you say you can ruin anything by frying it. And I, I totally agree with you, but you can also get more calories out of it that way. And people who are food insecure and aren't, don't have a lot of calories, I don't, I don't know that uh, they worry so much about the long-term health quality of what they eat as long as, as the question is, does it make them hungry? So I'll be interested to see that one. And then the next one is about chronic liver disease and the risk of mortality after COVID-19 retrospective cohort study for 2020. Again, taking a look at the other side of that relationship, I believe, which is what does liver disease say about what happens when you experience COVID as compared to what does COVID do to the liver? Those are, two other papers, not necessarily for pure science reasons, but I think for understanding where all this fits in the world at large and the other elements of policy and life that I'll be really intrigued to see.
2: I'm going to step out of my fatty liver lane and mention one abstract that intrigues me. And that is, and I don't have it off the top of my head, but if I remember right, it's amoxicillin and clavulonic acid prednisone for the treatment of... Was it alcoholic hepatitis?
0: Yeah, that's right. I don't remember who the author was, but that's right. That was the title.
2: Boy, that's an interesting combo because you take the number one drug for drug-induced liver injury in the U.S., Augmentin, and you combine it with prednisone. I'm intrigued by the mechanism behind which the thought was generated that that might be a potential target. Jorn, do you have any, have you seen this abstract?
1: Yes, it's it's in your late breaker session on the 26th, and it's the first late-breaking oral 2631, given by Alexandre Louvet. And, you know, from my perspective, they just use the high infectious risk these patients have and, and cope that with a an, uh, broadband antibiotic and adding on prednisone to avoid uh, the detrimental effects of immunosuppression in those alcoholic hepatitis patients. So. I I think you know, they want to get the good side of the antibiotic prophylactic exposure of those patients going on to immunosuppression. And normally you use the little score to determine the length of prednisone, but I'd be interested to see how they dealt with that. Maybe they're there to take prednisone longer out, and, and that's where the benefit kicks in. So but I'm not sure, looking forward. I agree, that's a great abstract.
2: Yeah, my only concern is if you take a sick liver and they're the one in whatever it is that has a dilly problem, well, that's gonna be a bit challenging to bring that patient back. But but it will be interesting to see for sure. And the good news is I get to listen to that because it's in my session where I have to wake up at uh, I think it's three in the morning, maybe four for that for that particular session. Since I'm going to be up anyway, I'll, I'll hear
0: it. Doesn't the late breaker start at six or well, five? If you're going to be in Florida? That would, yeah. Yeah, six. It starts. It, at it starts at noon CET, so it's six in the morning. You're a lucky guy.
2: Well, the Panhandle—that's still five a.m. Okay, that's, yeah. that's doable.
0: Watch the sun rises. You learn about augmentin and prednisone. I like it. I like and it. Go for
2: a run after that last presentation of yours. That's right. I've got it. Yeah. Chase, uh, well, I'll be eating fish down there, so, you know, maybe I'll eat fish. We'll see.
0: Anybody have anything they want to add about the meeting before I go to closing question about specific things about the meeting?
2: Uh, I guess I'm still wondering how they get the, uh,
1: the get together at the meeting and the interaction parts. You know, we mentioned the interactive sessions, but I think there's going to be an element where you can actually reach out and discuss with peers, and I haven't really figured that out yet, so I'll be excited and looking forward to how, how that's solved.
0: You know, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Luca Valenti talked about that when he was on two weeks ago in terms of what they've done with the platform, that the platform is actually set up to foster group con- one-on-one conversations, groups coalescing around issues and just talking offline. So I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but um, I know it's a source of real excitement for the Easel folks. And uh, I agree with you. I think that the ability to generate those conversations will be a tremendous benefit.
3: I think the only thing I can tell you is this year, I think it is more inclusive of every speciality, every grade of healthcare professional from nurses through to doctors. Obviously, there's a nurses and associate healthcare professional session on the 20th. Six, I think it is, the Saturday. But there's lots of bits in between that really cover a lot and plus patient interest. So I think this is the most diverse meeting that we've seen. And maybe that's because it's virtual, but it's exciting throughout.
0: So why don't we do this knowing that we can't talk about, we can't break an embargo, but I don't think anyone has to do that to answer this question. Grab your crystal ball. And based on what you know about this meeting, Predict what you think will be one of the two or three big stories that will come out of it, ideally from a fatty liver perspective. But if the one you think matters most has nothing to do with fatty liver, this will be the moment to talk about it. Brave one, go first.
3: I'll be brave. And this is a big crystal ball that fatty liver disease will be given an independent non-communicable disease status that lifts it higher in profile and places it with cardiovascular disease, diabetes, up at the top of the World Health Organization's agenda. Because as we know, education and preventing liver disease can actually prevent some of those associated conditions. There's my crystal ball. We're going to break new territory with the WHO.
2: Just in the field of fatty liver, the consensus, the drumbeat is growing louder as there's a sense that we're getting closer toward an approved drug to treat the disease, that we're getting better at identifying at-risk NASH, that we're developing tools that are becoming more recognized as a predictor of therapeutic response, that we have tools that are now Coming onto the scene that can predict outcomes. You know, we had this International NASH Day. I think it was huge. It was a huge hit, in my opinion. And I think that groundswell of patient advocacy is going to be one of these tides that raises all boats. I think the general consensus coming out of this meeting is going to be one of we're going to get where we want to be with fatty liver. But it's Two steps forward and one step back. I mean, we've seen that with therapies reporting even this year. But I generally think that there's not going to be a new therapy that's FDA approved. We're not going to have some bombshell newscast on fatty liver that comes out of easel. But I think the totality of the data will be one where people walk away feeling better about where we're headed.
0: Excellent. And I agree
1: with Stephen on this one. I think diagnostics is really the field where we've seen the most advancement. There's more granularity in the therapeutics field, but the the diagnostics are really just skyrocketing. I mean, there are two big EU-funded projects. They're joining in a think tank on, I believe, Thursday morning. This is the litmus consortium that was mentioned before. And here, really and groundbreaking work with regards to defining the non-invasive tools we want to use has been made. And then the other one is the Liverscreen Project, which does case finding or even uses uh, non-invasive tests to screen in, in not even high risk, but in the general population. And I think that the, the amount of data that's generated across those large consortiums is just gigantic. And, and that's why uh, non-invasive tests are really stepping out of the meeting for me and it's being more broadly. We have a better database to understand them and, and also the app abstract that will be presented from the litmus consortium by Michael Pavlidis. As Stephen said, I think that there's just so much going on in the, in the diagnostic
0: field. So I had a coin to us, and since you hit heads, I'll hit tails. I think also there's more focus in this meeting than we've tended to see in the past on multidisciplinary issues, not just your session, but sessions that go into cardiology and other diseases. And I believe in the absence of having a lot of medications, which we'll get to, but don't have yet. And in the presence of good diagnostics, the more specialties understand why this should matter to them, and the more patients understand about why this isn't simply about a fatty liver, I think the better we'll do at raising the salience of the disease in the eyes of the world. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back in the coming week with interviews from leaders in easel and other key opinion leaders in hepatology, followed by our same-day coverage of the digital ILC on June 24, 25, and 26. I hope you'll join us then. Until then, stay safe. See you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.